I would like to bring your attention. This was not in the plan, and I know that y'all get nervous when I go off script. But my goodness, what a rich reading that Ezekiel reading is, and we can't really go. It's not like we're on the interstate, and, and, and if we look, we'll have a wreck. We, we need to actually stop in the shoulder for just a moment, and then we'll move on to John. But Ezekiel, like many of the prophets of Israel, is very concerned with the exile of Israel. And the exile happens really in in two phases. One is under the Assyrian Empire, the other is under the Babylonian Empire. You might remember that from Sunday school or vacation Bible school. And, And what Ezekiel is dealing with and what most of the prophets in the Hebrew Bible are dealing with is this sense of failure. The nation has failed, the temple rituals have failed, and and there's something that just isn't working quite right for Israel and Judah. And Ezekiel's pathos here is reflective of the national mood of, of contemporary Israel at his time. And that is, we are dry bones. We are a valley of dry bones. We've reached the end, and there's really nothing much more that we can do. And honestly, there's not much we believe that God can do. And if you've read the Bible for very long, I'm not saying that that God wants us to get to that point, because that's not really a great point to live at. But that's when God does God's best work, is when we think we're at the end and God steps in through some voice, some person, some community and says, no, you've actually not reached the end. I have so much more in store for you. And so if you'll notice, Ezekiel sees this valley of dry bones They say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely finished. So now prophesy and say to them, and this is God's voice to Ezekiel and even to us, because I think a lot of us walked through the doors tonight or were wheeled through the doors tonight with a lot of desperation and a lot of terror and horror over the violence we've experienced in our own city just in this past week, specifically at East High School. And some of our clergy and staff were with students from East last week as they protested at the Capitol and said, we are not okay being considered a valley of dry bones. We believe that there is a future in which people don't lose their lives to senseless gun violence. And again, that's when God does God's best work, is when our little bit of hope that we have and God's great big purpose and love for us meet. And that's often in a place of deep desperation. 
So Ezekiel is told, prophesy and say to them, God proclaims, I'm opening your graves. I will raise you up from your graves, my people, and I will bring you to Israel's fertile land. I'll bring you back to the place that I gave you from the beginning. I'm sending you home. You will no longer have to live as a stranger in a land that is not yours. You will come home. I will bring you home. You will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, my people. I will put my breath in you and you will live. I will plant you on your fertile land and you will know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. This is what the Lord says. And I do ask you for just maybe the next five or six minutes to reflect with me on the nature, the collective nature of resurrection. In church, we often focus on the resurrection of Jesus to the exclusion of our own resurrection. Now, y'all aren't going to get an answer from me about what resurrection looks like in a very literal way. That, that's, that's way above my pay grade. If the bishop were here, I'd refer you to her. What I'm speaking of is the resurrections we experience on a daily basis. A relationship that soured and turns around. A financial situation that sours and turns around. Feelings of despair that one might experience, that whether through medication or counseling or a conversation with a confidant changes. These moments, however fleeting, are what we might call moments of resurrection. And we often think of resurrection in the individual sense. That Jesus is raised from the dead and one day I'll be raised from the dead and that's all I care about. Some preachers might call that eternal fire insurance. That that's all that God cares about is that my soul is saved. This body doesn't matter. The relationships I have don't matter. The way I treat people doesn't matter. The direction of this world doesn't matter because all I care about is not going to hell when I die. Well, I hate to break it to you. We're not that kind of church. And we don't serve that kind of God. The God we serve is a God who is deeply deeply concerned, not just with me and my own salvation and my own preoccupation and my own small worldview. We serve a God who is concerned about the direction of the entire cosmos. And a part of that cosmos concerns people who die from gun violence, people who die in poverty, people who die deaths of despair, relationships that flounder because of despair. 
We're all connected. And there is a sense in Ezekiel that the prophet understands this. He doesn't promise that the sinews and skin and flesh will only occupy one set of bones. It's the entire valley of dry bones that's resurrected and reclothed with flesh. And this message is not to an individual, but it's to the entire house of Israel. And we see this thread also in John's gospel. When Lazarus is raised from the dead. And what an amazing, amazing story. One of my absolute favorite stories in all of scripture. And I never noticed until this week that the miracle, the sign, the wonder begins with Jesus' sonic power. And when I say sonic power, I mean the thing that comes out of Jesus' mouth that raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And what does the corpse do? What does that dead body do? It comes out of the grave, but there's a little barrier. I never noticed this until this week. And I've been reading the Bible my entire life. And I did not notice this until this week. Lazarus is covered in burial clothes. And the next sonic power that comes out of Jesus' mouth is not to Lazarus, but the community around Lazarus. And what does Jesus say to Lazarus' community? Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. Jesus understood that Lazarus' salvation, if you will, Lazarus' liberation, Lazarus' freedom was wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in the destiny of the people around him. And when we as individual people, as a church, as a society forget that our collective freedom involves other people, people who don't look like us, people who don't sound like us, people who don't vote like us, people who don't have the taste buds we have, people who don't have our sense of style. We would say they lack style because they don't have my sense of style. My salvation, my freedom, my liberation is related to theirs. It's wrapped up, tangled up, and tied up in theirs. And Jesus understands that for Lazarus, that Lazarus, yes, he can rise from the grave, but what good is he if he's still wearing burial clothes? He needs someone to unbind him and let him go. Who is God calling you today to unbind and let go? Who is God calling you to unbind and let go today? What situation, what person, what relationship needs unbinding and letting go? So that that person, that community, that nation can then flourish. 
there's no good in raising somebody from the dead if they can't actually live. That's the question that will be on my heart tonight as we wander this cathedral in prayer. Whose freedom is wrapped up in my freedom? Who does God want me to set free? And who might be planning to set me free? Might I actually be Lazarus? It's so easy to put ourselves in Jesus's shoes or 2,000 years ago, sandals in these kinds of situations and not think of ourselves as Lazarus, as the person who has been brought back from the dead. And who might that unexpected person be who will help me get unbound and help me let go? I hope you will join us in prayer tonight for our city, for our nation, for our world, for this planet. There's so much, so much that needs to be unbound today. And I believe in the bottom of my heart, in my heart of hearts, that a part of that solution is what we do Sunday in and Sunday out. We come to this altar and we say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I want you to strengthen me to be of help to someone today. I receive you in bread. I receive you in wine. I am a part of your body. I am the body of Christ that I receive. And I want you to give me that same sonic power that what I speak in your world will come to pass if it is your will. That's what we do here. That's the kind of business we're in in church. We deal hope. We deal joy. We deal love. We deal a future in which God is in charge and every person has a right to live and not just live, but flourish. So as we center ourselves, center our thoughts, center our hearts, our minds, I hope that we will consider the many, many ways that God is saying, Lazarus, come out. Let him go. Unbind him. Unbind her. Unbind them. Because my freedom is wrapped up in yours. Amen.